Support comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies. Held on select Fridays in May, each film touches upon artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, kicking off with Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro on May 10th at nortonsimon.org. Support for Alaist comes from Visual Communications, presenting VC Film Fest, celebrating 40 years of Asian and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander filmmaking, with over 200 films May 1st through 10th. Info at festival.vcmedia.org. Alaist Studios. Ever wonder what to do if a sinkhole swallows your car? Or who controls those redistricting maps? Or why the hell is LAX such a mess? There are a lot of things about the city that just don't make sense. Maybe you want to know how streets get their names. Broadway was not originally called Broadway. It was called Fort Street. In the late 19th century, there was a printer named Fred Lind Alice who had a lot of German clients who kept confusing 4th Street with 4th Street. People want to know how they can change that or, or why it's designed in this way in the first place. They'd say, okay, go on 4th Street and then turn right on 4th Street. He got sick and tired of that, so he actually lobbied the city to change it to Broadway. From Elias Studios, this is How to LA. I'm Brian De Los Santos. Today, we're launching a new recurring segment, LA Explained. My name is Caitlin Hernandez. I'm the LA Explained reporter at Eliast. What I do is really just helping people understand the city and understand how it works, or maybe at times doesn't. Caitlin's going to take us on some deep dives into some of those mysteries that can be easy to take for granted. These things aren't broadcast on billboards or TV ads. They're like little, little backroom applications that you don't really know exist until you know they exist. There are systems set up that you have to learn how to navigate and work in to affect change in that way. So how did you stumble upon this story of learning about the street names and what they mean to the city? It was from a reader question, actually. They essentially were like, hey, there's this batch of streets near me, 37th Drive, 37th Place, 37th Street. Why is it like this? It's confusing. That just kind of like spurred me going down this rabbit hole of looking at why the city's designed this way to begin with. And so now we're standing here at Ord and Broadway to learn some other cool things about our early street names. This is the heart of Chinatown right here. We are surrounded by little vegetable markets and herb markets. This is Mark Tapio Kynes. I run a website and Instagram called LA Street Names. And Caitlin tells me you have a cute nickname. (laughs) Some people call me the king of LA streets. We are on Ord Street in Chinatown. Way back when, this was dirt roads and there were places like blacksmiths and saloons. Horses and carriages going down muddy streets and uh, people speaking Spanish more than Chinese. It's named after a fellow named Edward Otho Cresap Ord, or EOC Ord as he was known, born in 1818. 1849, the gold rush was on, California was about to become a state the following year. The city leaders of Los Angeles, the Ayuntamiento, wanted Los Angeles to grow properly. They had a population of about 1,600 people, almost all of whom lived around the plaza. It had a very violent reputation. The gold rush guys were coming in and they were rowdy and they were drinkers and there was cases of a murder every week back when the population of Los Angeles was only 5,000, so we had a murder rate of 1%. The Ayuntamiento wanted to lay out new streets. 
they wanted a map. It was really the dream of Los Angeles for how it was going to grow. They hired him, they paid him $3,000, which they didn't actually have, but they were going to pay him $3,000. He laid out two new neighborhoods. One is right here in present-day Chinatown, and then the other is across the freeway, which of course didn't exist in 1849, for downtown. A lot of the streets that he laid out have kept their names. Hill Street, Flower Street, Spring Street, Hope Street, those all were named in 1849. He was considered not just the guy who made the first map of Los Angeles, but he was a Civil War hero. He was actually responsible for getting Robert E. Lee to surrender at the Appomattox Courthouse, which ended the Civil War. So he was a, a, quite a big deal in his day. But Orr did not name the street after himself. He named it High Street. They actually renamed it Walters Street in 1887. That lasted for all of three years, and then it became Ord in 1890. And I think it's kind of interesting that like it's in Chinatown, and I just want to make that a point because LA changes all the time. He might have known, like, oh, my, my name's going to be on the street that's centered around the Asian and Asian-American community. So I just want to highlight that, how like street names may have come from the past, and they are still in the present, and they keep on changing with the neighborhood. I don't know. Any thoughts about that? I think this goes back to like what I'm trying to do with LA Explained is like helping people understand how life in LA is designed to work. These street names are like hundreds of years old at times, but they still stick around. They might have like a different path or like they might be stretched out, but like they haven't changed. I sent you the last stop, which is just a little bit south. Whoever did the mapping did it like correctly because shout out to them. We're in Solano Canyon, this little pocket off the 110 near Dodger Stadium and Elysian Park. It's actually one of the oldest neighborhoods in LA. We're at Solano Avenue and Casanova Street. Now Solano was named for Alfred Solano who laid out this neighborhood as did his father Francisco Solano. And Casanova Street is for Alfred Solano's mother, Rosa Casanova. So we've got this weird confluence of these homes that are about 120 years old with a couple of dingbat apartment buildings built in the 1950s right next to the freeway and there is an actual on-ramp and off-ramp right that goes straight into this residential neighborhood. This is a, a testament to what had to happen when the freeway was built and in fact there were a couple of streets that used to be there that are now no longer there. Yolo and Yuba streets, the 110 erased them. This, this neighborhood is just is so old and so relatively untouched except for this freeway, which cuts right through it. All right, y'all get the point. It's loud at this intersection, so we're going to step away from the noisy freeway. So who's choosing these names? Like, how are they getting picked? Basically, there's two different ways that a street gets its name. It's either through a tract or through a city ordinance. And if it's from a tract, that means it's a private landowner who chooses the street's name. If the street hasn't been used already, then the city will usually approve of it. The city ordinances happen when you have duplicate street names, as happened a lot back then as L.A. was growing. It was annexing a lot of smaller towns like Eagle Rock, Venice, Hollywood, and, of course, the entire San Fernando Valley. So you would have duplicate street names, and so the city would say, well, we can't have five Hamilton Avenues. This was a time before zip codes, so they would have to change the names a lot. Mark says the names the Solano family picked were unique enough to stand the test of time, and some of them have pretty funky stories. Alfred Solano named all the streets for family members, so there is a small street called Bouette Street, or Bouette Street, I don't know how they pronounce it, 
but that was named for his brother-in-law, who was kind of a jack-of-all-trades and master of none. And in uh, the early 1900s, he was overseeing a chain gang, a prison chain gang. He saw an inmate try to escape, and so he got on his horse, but he uh, didn't get on well enough, and he slipped off his horse, and he broke his neck, and he died. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what kind of scene is that? I mean, they're interesting now. Of course, they were tragic back then, but uh, once you let a century or so past, they become sort of fascinating and even kind of darkly humorous. All right, so I was checking out this intersection and looking at notes, and I believe there was some historic mention of same-sex couples here with the Solano family. Is this story part of L.A.'s early queer history? You know, unfortunately, when you're, when you're talking about L.A.'s queer history way back when, if there's no love letters, you just don't know because that's not the sort of thing that they would print in newspapers. But yes, Alfred Solano's wife, Brooks Solano, there's a Brooks Avenue out here that he named for her, records show that she was living with another woman. The Solanos divorced sometime in the 1910s. Ella stayed with this woman all the way until her death for like 30 years. And you see in the paper, they were always traveling together. They were always showing up at parties together. So from a 21st century point of view, you can infer a romantic relationship. I think that is totally interesting to hear because usually we hear about queer history and uprising in like West Hollywood and other parts of the city, but somewhere that has a Solano family name to it, to me, it was kind of a gag, like, oh, wow, we're in the middle near downtown. So anyway, as we're looking around and talking about the history here, talking about how the freeway cuts this neighborhood in half, we spotted a pedestrian tunnel that goes right under the 110. Yeah, that's real interesting. See, this is why I was telling Caitlin, like, it's important for me to actually go to the streets that I write about because usually I just work from home. You know, there's 50,000 streets in Los Angeles County. I, I'm not going to be able to walk all of them, but it makes such a difference when you go to one and you actually walk around and look around and see what you can see and where it goes. And yeah, it's nice that there's this pedestrian underpass here, but... This is a very dark tunnel. There's some busted lights. It's not the safest place. There's a, a couple of mattresses and some graffiti and some uh, otherwise grim things. She's on her way to get her kid from school, so she says he always passes by and uses that uh, underpass, but that she's not 100% comfortable with it. So she would prefer something above the, the highway, like a bridge. All right, y'all. Last stop is a street I know all of you guys are familiar with. Pico. Pico Boulevard is actually named after Pio Pico, the last governor under Mexican rule of Alta California before California became a U.S. state. He put L.A. City as the province capital of Alta California at that time. So for a while, we were on the map instead of Sacramento. You know, Pico Boulevard is a long stretch of road, so to get that kind of like name recognition at that level is pretty big. It goes from like downtown area all the way to the beach. So that's the Pico part. This might sound kind of like a dumb question, but why Boulevard? Boulevards are supposed to be like these broad streets that are like main thoroughfares. 
the street has to be about 100 feet wide. You might see maybe some like center medians pop up. You know, these little suffixes are little indicators that influence how we kind of like experience our neighborhoods, our communities. And this is a really clear example of what that's supposed to look like. Pico Boulevard actually started off as 13th Street. Los Angeles never had an unlucky 13th Street. They said instead of naming 13th Street, they named it Pico Street. But they didn't continue with names. They went right back to 14th and 15th and 16th. So, so obviously somebody in the 1850s was very superstitious. And either Pico was considered a good luck charm or he was considered an unlucky character because he did actually have kind of a bad senior citizenship. He lost a lot of money to gambling debts and to real estate swindles. He and his brother Andres owned pretty much the entire San Fernando Valley, but Pico sold his half to a fellow named Isaac Lankersham, and anybody who goes around North Hollywood knows the name Lankersham. He sold it specifically so he could build his hotel, Pico House, which still stands, but you could probably say that Lankersham got the better uh, end of the deal. I wouldn't be the host I am without talking about Sepulveda, about La Cienega versus the other way that people say it. Whether you're black, Latino, Asian, white, whatever background you're from, there is a way, if you've been here long enough, there's a way to phonetically say these names. What have you heard? You're the street name King. Well, I mean, it sort of speaks to L.A.'s sort of fractured consciousness. You know, we can assume that the Feliz family who owned the Rancho Los Feliz called themselves Feliz, but at some point it became Los Feliz, just like Los Angeles became Los Angeles. And actually there was a time where it was Los Angeles. The first street that I lived on in L.A. was Curson, or I've heard it called Curson, or Curson, and that was for an Englishman. So things change, who knows, maybe in 50 years we'll be calling it Los Angeles again. And there you have it. I love it. <laughs> there you have it. That's it for today. Special thanks to Mark Tapio Kynes for sharing his passion for L.A. street names in beautiful, nerdy detail. Well, the, the source of Normandy is actually unknown, but it used to be called Rosedale Avenue, named after the Rosedale Cemetery, which is now called... Seriously, Mark knew the entire history of every street name we walked by. So we are trying to find a street name that Mark doesn't know squat about. We're walking east on Pico, heading towards Mariposa. If you want to learn more about your street, <laughs> check out his project on Instagram, LA Street Names. There used to be streets just named A Street, B Street, C Street. Each one was renamed in 1897. B became Barendo, C became Catalina, I became Erolo, H became Higuera. For some reason, they decided not to keep that, so they changed it to Mariposa. And a very special thank you to Kaylin Hernandez for bringing us this story today. They're going to be hanging out with us here and there for more L.A. Explained. We are uh, coming up on Fedora Street. What's up with that name? What's interesting about Fedora is you know it as the men's hat, but the name originated as a French play, Fedora, in the uh, late 19th century. It was written for If you have a question uh, that needs some L.A. Explaining, send it our way on LES.com slash L.A. Explained. You can also find all of Caitlin's articles there, too. It was a huge hit. Fanny Davenport actually brought it to Los Angeles in 1888. As soon as the play came out, there were all these things that were branded Federo. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. 
one lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAist.com sweeps.